Hello, welcome to episode 10 of the Aim High and Achieve podcast. Thanks for joining me again. Today, I'm delighted to welcome Ellis Del Sol to the podcast. Ellis is a writer, poet, a linguist, a massage therapist, a yoga instructor, a podcaster himself in his own right. He has a yoga podcast, which I will put the link to in the show notes, amongst other things. And he's recently published a book of his poetry called Le Defoe. Delighted today to welcome Ellis to the podcast. Ellis Del Sol, welcome to the podcast. It's great to talk to you. My pleasure. Nice to be here. Yeah. Um, so I've got to ask the obvious question. In how did you end up from uh, Santa Fe, New Mexico in Hergeson? Or and two Hergeson, should I say. And I'll regrettably have to, uh, Hergeson <laughs> in Norway, I'll have to give you the obvious uh, answer to that. And that uh, that is the opposite sex had sort of pulled me into this country that I thought I might visit as a pensioner, but never thought in so early in life that I would make my way to Norway. Yeah, I think most people who I meet about uh, in, a, in our sort of small city here, most sort of people are either here for work or they're here because of, like you say, the opposite sex. And it's uh, it seems to be something that does drag people around the world, you know, uh, searching for things. Yeah, I think in my in my case, I I uh, I don't I don't know why I was in the, I was in England in Turkey at the time, and I was working for a company called EF, uh, a language company from Vienna, because at the time I was living in Germany, and and via Switzerland I got a job in Vienna in Austria to bring thirty student students to England to teach them English, and for some reason, even on the plane on my way to England. I looked outside and started talking myself into on this trip, I'm going to find the woman of my life. And, uh, you know, Stonehenge uh, uh, and a Guinness or two later. Uh, uh, and on that particular year, there was a full eclipse of the sun. And I was like, well, this is meant to be. So I, I met a Norwegian girl and I followed her back and the rest is history. And we are history. We're good friends, but we're no longer together. So I still am here and 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 uh, tugging along. Yeah. What year did you move here to Norway? Nineteen ninety-eight. So wow. I've, I've been here most of my adult life, uh, and you know, I won't say regrettably. I just know how vast and fantastic this beautiful planet is, and it's not like me to stay in a place so long. So in one way, I'm I'm proud of that fact, and in another way. It makes me feel like I missed out on something. But the, the same token, I, I had a family and built up a beautiful home and business here. And those are experiences I wouldn't have had otherwise if I had still been gallivanting around the world. So I'm glad mm. that the globetrotting stopped at that point. Yeah, I think there's something... Uh, I mean, I, I really... I think you kind of take no, Norway for granted. I, I certainly do. And I think although there is... On the face of it, there's not. It's not obviously as busy as the states or as the UK or Germany. There's kind of like a peacefulness about the place, which is quite seductive. In that, you once you've been here a while, you kind of get used to the calmness. I think, anyway, of, of the place. You get used to the calmness, but luckily, 
and this is speaking in the antithesis of kindness you get used to the the grueling uh lack of expression that most norwegians um definitely fall short with and um and i call it the norwegian code and luckily i picked up on that because i've, I've approached and been through different codes in different countries before but here it was so prominent from the beginning so obvious that here there was a big task to get around something that was strictly and purely Norwegian in its own right. And uh, a lot of foreigners in Norway, I think, suffer greatly because they, one, don't learn the language properly, and two, they don't, first and actually foremost, learn the code properly. And that's how to begin a meeting, how to begin a sentence, how to not speak when not spoken to. and and uh, I mean, it, it sounds very rigid, but if you really put it down on paper, I mean, the papers, it's a blank. There's no answers for this code as such that becomes instilled in you as a Norwegian and expected of you as a visitor. Mm, that, that's really interesting. That I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. Uh, I've tried to learn the language. Languages are something I really struggle with i don't know why i think some people are just programmed uh i mean obviously you're you're for the listeners you're i would say an expert in languages speaking five uh, fluently uh my, myself i really struggle i've been to norskus which is uh, the norwegian language course i try and i do make an effort in the day but invariably people will just speak back in english to me and i don't really push it as much as I should do because then I've got the easy way out you know but but how did you uh, with languages in general how, how do you is there a trick how do you sort of find it not not easy but how do you find it so easy to to sort of pick them up and be an expert and I think it's two, it's a two-folded answer and it, there is both a trick or tricks in in sort of shutting the mind off and becoming sort of Latin in your own discriminating of what that word is in your own language, because that's where you get that's where you get boggled down. For example, if you take the word tree in English, it ends with the E tree and you look at it as a tree. That's a beautiful tree. And then you take the same word in German and it's a Baum and it ends in in a very in a whole different M kind of a way. And you take that in Swiss German and it ends, it's almost like German and it's Baumli. And then you have arbol in Spanish, and then you come to Norwegian tre, and you just you, if you start translating things in your head, then you will you'll never really get over the the hop of learning a language. The other two, so the other part of that twofold answer of mine is that I think languages do Stephen come more naturally for 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 certain people, and it's not because they are somehow more, I think they're more inclined, but that doesn't mean that they're somehow more, uh, more advanced in any way, shape or form. Because I think one of my great weaknesses is that I do have a strength in learning languages because I'm very quick to adapt. But the downfall of adapting too quickly is that you make silly decisions. And, uh, and you, so I think it's, I think it's, Everyone just has a certain, you know, when you were born, which side of your head did you wake up on? And uh, when it comes to language, it's really either the left or the right side. And and I woke up on on that side uh, 
Uh, and mind you, there's not many things that I would claim that I'm good at, but yes, learning a language and adapting to my environment is, is one of them. Uh, do you think, uh, I mean, obviously traveling has sort of helped with that. How, how has traveling sort of shaped your your sort of life? Because it's some, something I love. And I, I know when, even when I just go on sort of, when I, I remember when I was younger and I just sort of, you would go on summer holiday, you sort of came back, you know, sort of re-energized kind of thing. And I, I've always loved the kind of, I mean, I just fell into a sort of job situation and I never sort of experienced travel, but it's always something that I've really not, not regretted much, but something I've always thought, you know, I'd really love just to travel around, be a free soul, experience new cultures and things. Do you think that that experience you've had has sort of shaped the way you are now? Oh, uh, regrettably and definitely. Yes, it has. Um, Regrettably, in that I find it hard to settle down even emotionally, uh, um, create creatively, because there's just so much out there, um, and it just doesn't stop. You know, if you know, I've I've never had, uh, I've never been pushed in a corner. I would say in my adult life, more financially, based on some other episodes that are going on in my life, and I call them episodes because they have to do with court cases, and the list goes on, but. But without getting into that, I'd like to even say that even in my worst hour, I've this year already been to the States, to Colombia, to Sri Lanka, to India, to Poland, to Hungary, and and uh, and I'm off to the States again in the in the the, the, the break. Some of it is work related, and 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 a lot of it is just um, I need to get my feed, and my feed is to not do anything in particular sometimes it's just to sit in a cafe and take it all in because there's small little nuances of something that just tickles uh the soul and so so in that respect it's been a a, a, a disadvantage of becoming more restless and in another regard it's become a, a great advantage in terms of like i was mentioning just earlier about reading certain certain codes and adapting to certain conversations that you maybe not not necessarily want to be a part of but you get through it because you you you've learned through your sort of cycle of being in different places that there's certain things you just need to take with a grain of salt and some of them are only cultural mm -hmm. related they're not literally meant from the, the person who uh 30 years ago would have put you off but now you look at it in a more more sort of objective sense as you get older instead of taking it personal yeah i think i think uh yeah you're definitely right in terms of i, I understand exactly what you mean with the the sort of norwegian code and and uh you know i was for, for me what how I, I interpret that is that the um, norwegians generally will have a a kind of very sort of stoic I don't know if it's stoic, but a sort of unemotionless sort of take on everything. You know, it's very much like I remember in, in my job a few times when the shit's hit the fan, everything's going to chaos. You know, in, in the UK, you would be, OK, we've just got to stay. We've got to fight through it. We'll work. We get to this point. Whereas in Norway, everything's going to shit and it's going to pieces. And then just go, oh, OK, but it's uh, 3.30. We have to go home now and then uh, we will come back tomorrow. And like, how, how can you go home and, and like leave this mess? And it's like, they, they, oh no, we just go home. It's very 
sort of defined cutoff point and very they they sort of can very they can compartmentalize work and private life very very easily and it the, the never the twain shall meet you know and i think that's a really good thing actually the, the way that they can do that yeah they're they're very good at that but i've noticed in friendships that they're just as easy to let you go based on some sort of uh yeah i would almost call it a code thing where you you can't even you can't even emotionally um sort of debate uh uh create a dialogue with someone requesting why and for what reason are we not speaking any longer and and uh, so they like you say they're very good at you know um uh, setting the line not crossing the line but defining the line and so be it uh, with your example of, of going home at a certain time no matter what's going on so there's something very defiant and um compliant about being norwegian and being in this society um but there is also some aspects for for people like you and i that were raised in a maybe a little bit more of a you know a superficial society where we 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 tend to look at things in a very dramatic way and it's not necessarily our birthright to have turned into that person but i remember you know one trip back to the united states in 2004 i was going to stay for a month and i left after five days because my family said to me ellis what's wrong and i said well, what do you mean it's wrong? And they said, well, you're not speaking. And then I said that famous Norwegian sentence, and in English that means, yeah, but what, what do you want me to say? In other words, if, if there's nothing to talk about, why talk? Uh, hmm. And it's, it's not that blatant. It's just a very, like you say, they, Norwegians kind of give you what they give and nothing more. And hmm. some people can take that very personally. And other people think, oh, it's very comforting that I only hear that which is and 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 period. That's it. So there's pros and cons to I guess every culture, every aspect of human life. So it's that yin and yang thing. Yeah, yeah, I can I can totally get it. and I've and I've experienced uh, yeah exactly that. And uh, obviously, but then it comes to Friday night or Saturday night, and they get a beer or a glass of wine, and then it's the whole different thing but i suppose i suppose all cultures are, are sort of uh they have the little quirks and you know no one's right or wrong and it's just i think i think it's really quite interesting to sort of get get takes on and and obviously that you know the british get stereotypes as are you just crazy drinking hooligan football disease football hooligans they think you know they kind of stereotype that everyone's a bit like that and Every kind yeah. of culture has, has, you know, has the little quirks, which I think is interesting. It but, is a little, um, fun, a little fun fact in terms of the Norwegian is just since we're talking about Britain or we're talking about not a, about Britain, but we're talking about uh, maybe Ireland in this case when it comes to Ryanair and their plane, their planes that leave from Hogeson. Did you know that uh, those planes come to Hogeson not to make travel to Spain easy for us, but Ryanair on those flights to Malaga and to, to Alicante, both down and up, they, uh, they double what the number two city is. 
in the in the Ryanair's you know long list of cities that uh, it flies from and to, uh, Hogeson tops the list, uh, and twice over the second category, uh, second city, when it comes to the amount of alcoholic purchases on the plane. Right, and they make a fortune. It's like a it's like a bar in the sky. Which, if you've been on that flight, you know that you know after you know it's a four hour flight. You know that uh, approaching three hours, I mean you 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 can't even tell your neighbor to be quiet because if you do, he might suck you right in the chin. <laughs> so um, it's uh, it's then it goes into an immediate. We're not in Norway anymore. When once the plane lifts off. And Norwegians in other countries, they're very, they're very, they're very, they adapt uh, very quickly. Uh, unlike their predecessors, the Vikings that always came back, um, many Norwegians, I think, would much prefer if they could stay in a longer period of time, just to let let that facade, uh, let it go and kind of, you know, mesh in a little bit more, since it's hard to do so in Norway. You, you could even lose your job if you if you're if you're too nonchalant in this country yeah yeah i can i can totally see that yeah alice you're also a writer which i'm really fascinated about um i've tried to do some writing but i invariably suffer from very low patience and if i don't get things coming to me immediately i'm not good for for sitting and sort of meditating ideas out. What, what's, I'm really interested to know sort of how you go about it and how you've sort of honed your skill over the years of, of sort of getting ideas on paper. Is it something comes naturally or do you have to work, you know, super hard for it? Good question. So one of my great, you know, I had a, an English teacher when I was younger, just tell me what I was writing didn't make any sense. And, I was getting it all wrong and then it you know it became very terrifying to to put anything on paper and then and then suddenly you know something that rectified that is i went out you know in the we had a speech class in america you have a speech class where you learn how to speak in front of a crowd which is very handy they should do that in norway mm -hmm. as well and um and in doing so i found out that i had a knack of improvising while i was speaking because one of the subjects in speech was imp uh, improvisation. And uh, then suddenly I, I was using in, in my spare time at the age of 11 and 12, I was meeting up with adults to go to speech competitions. And then it was just kind of became like a hobby. And then I was so in love with my niece who lived with us since she was born because of a mix up with my sister that um, I just started writing poetry to her. And um, lo and behold, I already had like, I don't know, a hundred poems finished by the age of 10. And uh, then now there's, I don't know, in the neighborhood of 5,000 that I've done. And it's not the amount because I think most of them, when I read them back, they're just bullocks. But for me, it's always been, whether it's poetry or putting together an actual story or writing a book, which I've also done, uh, that wasn't uh, a poetry book like this current volume is. I. Um, for me, it's it's like, it's like well, what you've done in essence, you've stepped into Norway, not knowing what you're getting into, and suddenly you're there, and and that's exactly how I approach anything I write. I don't, or maybe even like this this good uh, podcast of yours, or that I've seen that you've done with the, the other people you've interviewed. You're not quite sure where it's headed, but at the end, you get you get there, and it 
and getting there is is the <clears throat> it's the it's the part where things then come together so i would suggest to anyone whether it's learning how to jog or run in the forest or <clears throat> to do yoga or anything else that you you just you have to go there to get there and if you if you don't get up you're not going to get anywhere so you can, yeah 100% you can, quote, you can quote me on that that was actually something is worth writing down and and there again i would have written that down uh, and i can do so after this episode because if you do get one of these fancy dancy thoughts during the day it's just like a seed and suddenly it becomes a stem and a branch and a tree and and you're on your way uh so if you have a good idea or something slips off the tongue uh, always stop and put it in some sort of cloud folder uh where you can write down that text while you're having a coffee with a friend uh when you head off to the bathroom real quick so um don't ever lose your ideas it's very key to write them down yeah i think that i mean i listen to quite a lot of podcasts and that that seems to be consistently something people are saying to do is journaling um it's not something i've ever done i've 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 done it when i've been got planning on going on an expedition i will write okay i need yeah i need this type of ski i need these type of boots i need this amount of calories and you know and i've sort of mapped wrote down my plan of an expedition but daily journaling is something from 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 my um my upbringing which was sort of very working class on construction sites, going to a pub afterwards, drinking beer after work, uh, going out of the weekend, going out all weekend. So so journaling uh, to me is never something I've, I've, I don't know if I would feel uncomfortable doing it or, or, or I would guess a lot of people from my generation would kind of feel uncomfortable doing it until they start started to do it and then sort of open the mind up to different ideas like poetry or, or podcasting or anything, you know, and it's getting that, like you say, it's, it's doing it to start with. Yeah. It's kind of back to Nike's slogan, right? Just do it. But I, but what I appreciate about what you're saying is, you know, um, I never drank because I was a runner quite early on. Uh, I never even drank soda. Even if I was offered it from the ages of 13 to 20, I didn't have one Coke or, soda pop at all because the bubbles might disturb my lungs to make me run slower but what i'm getting at is that when i hear someone like you that you know has treaded and threaded through a weekend by lifting his cup and saying you know cheers hey you're right and you know you know having to repeat yourself loudly because someone didn't quite hear you because the music was too high you know i missed that so once again, there are advantages and disadvantages to going in and, and then going out. And in my life, I've been, I haven't been so preoccupied with myself as people might have claimed or pretend uh, to think that I am because I'm very, very uh, preoccupied with, with others and doing what I can in many ways to, to help others in different lights. And um, if anyone, if my neighbor that I don't know asked me to help move one weekend, I would actually get, get excited. And, and then I would, I, I wouldn't just say yes to that. I would show up with some food, you know? Um, and, and part of that is, it's not always good 
But, um, you know, I think at the end, like right now, you are going upon an endeavor and an adventure of podcasting. And, and you know, I, I heard your other podcasts and I, I have to say, um, yeah, you're surprising people as much as they're surprising you because you're also awakening something, not only in yourself, but others by going through this journey and sharing it. And it is a creative one. So at the end of the day, maybe you're finding out that in this part of life, you're, you're meant to do something a little more creative and less uh, vindictive on a weekend by going nuts, holding a beer in your hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm, maybe I'm over-egging it a little bit, but I'm sort of in my early 20s, you know, that was kind of what I sort of lived for. And, and uh, that was the almost the be-all and end-all of... Yeah. And, and when I look back, uh, I, I can quite happily say when I look back, you know, I don't, I don't regret it because I, I, you know, we had some good times and things. But I, I do also think it was a bit of a waste. <laughs> and and now, now I'm sort of I wake up every day and I'll say, right, uh, what, what's the plan? What's the goals today? What we're going to do? Okay, we've got the podcast. I've got my my day job that I've got to be on the ball with. Uh, you know, I've got rugby club I, I want to I'm running so now I'm sort of almost making up for lost time a bit and and sort of uh gone through having children and and sort of uh, at the other side of that and got a bit more space now they've grown up so it's kind of like okay right what can we do and for me a big thing is going out of your comfort zone you know uh that, that's a massive thing for me and and this is just sort of like an example of it and I I love getting to know people through this you know that's a real big thing for me well definitely and i like your potpourri mix of different uh character types yeah so you're 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 on to something good uh i i think it's imperative to accept and allow yourself to 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 see and understand that you and we all are not meant to figure anything or everything out at any certain juncture in time uh, and and it sounds like, you know, when you say, what are we going to do today? You know, um, what a luxury uh, instead of waking up in a in a God wretched uh, either society or a situation where you you're being forced to do something that's out of your own pure will and, and want. So um, getting bored or being reluctant and not perhaps knowing or even punishing yourself for past time. Uh, activities that could have been formed or carved in a different way. I think everyone, even the scientist, even the Nobel Peace Prize person, feels they 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 missed out on something. So it's almost like we all are in the same club. And the, the thing we should say to each other before saying hello is welcome to the club. Yeah, yeah. And and you're obviously you were a runner and you you know physically you're in you're in great shape how important do you think the, the mind being in great shape is oh that wasn't a loaded question but it was a very relevant question um uh you know the word yoga means yo it comes from a, a root word called huge and this huge word this old sanskrit you know root word huge means to connect union between two things and in this case the mind to the body and the body to mind that's what yoga literally means and and to answer your question uh you know when it comes to the mind and keeping it in shape um 
you know, in yoga, you also say, well, we are not the body. And, you know, there's a lot of philosophy and reasons for saying so. And sometimes in running, it's the same. You run at a certain pace and you get down the path and you you don't feel the body anymore because you've sort of got that runner's high and and so on. But the mind seems to be more dependent on a body that functions than, not then we realize, but then we're willing to accept. And uh, a lot of great minds are falling to the wayside because they're not taking care of their bodies uh, in a very basic way. So, um, but the, a lot of sharpshooters always had uh, a good plan on the side. Sting, for example, was a very accomplished yogi going into the second series of Ashtanga Yoga in New York at a place called Jiva Mukti. He was a very accomplished yoga, yogi. There wasn't many people in Norway that could do or go into the positions that Sting could. And this was in his heyday of being Sting, the artist that we all loved, you know, uh, singing about an Englishman in New York and, and so on. So I think to answer your question, you'd have to connect the two in and finding uh, a really resilient and productive mind uh, that is producing just as good of a results in one way, shape, or, or, or another as the body would in a competitive race. Um, I'm absolutely known very, very little about yoga. It's something I would be really open to to discovering more about. But is is yoga more meditation? Or is it more sort of, is it physical as well? Because I, I know a few footballers who in the, later on in their career, Ryan Giggs, for example, did a lot of yoga and it prolonged his football career. I mean, is it, is it, is it hard, to, to, for example, to, to get started with it? I think like anything, it's hard to get started with anything. But once you get in it, you, you start realizing almost immediately. And I've, I've always been a very stubborn person when it comes to this whole yoga thing because I don't like anything that's a fad or a phase or where there's a lot of hype involved. And, you know, this is the the conjunct of a mind that's not working because I'm not allowing myself to be open for things. I'm only predetermining how and what it is without even diving into it myself. So yoga is an unsung hero and it's 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 an unsung hero to and upon thyself. Um, because it's not about, and I can, at my ripe old age of 56, I can go into the splits and I can uh, do lots of positions. But when I started with yoga, I could not sit on the floor for longer than 30 seconds without having to find a wall 10 years ago. And that was, it was, it was extremely sad. And then the mere thought of me at that age, which was your age now, going into, um, how old are you, by the way? At 40. Exactly. Uh, I was even a bit older, uh, but even when I was 40, I would have been in the same position and I was overweight and I was very successful. Well, successful in my, my own business, right? With 18 employees and blah, blah, blah. But um, uh, what I'm getting at is that, um, is that I've always predetermined things to a certain extent that I, I was losing sight on, on, on the things that actually work in life. And that's a very dangerous thing to do. Um, so the whole yoga thing is, for me, it ended up turning into more of a journey of the mind, although the body does follow and, the, and I do 
have morning practices where I wake up at, at sometimes even 4.30 in the morning because in yoga or in that in India, when you hear the birds and the animals wake, that's when the human should wake. But we, we have our creature comforts and our concepts of when we shall wake. So we don't even bother or even fathom thinking about waking up so early. But if you did it for grins and giggles and mm. for kicks, you would find yourself being, first of all, your Western mind would say, I'm the only one doing this. So this must be cool. So suddenly you start stimulating some sort of uh, sort of endorphins that are telling you that this is special already just by standing up and, and, and actually getting out there. But after 30 minutes, you're completely awake. You're at solace. You're doing things in your own tempo. And an hour later, when you finish up, you lay down for 10 minutes. You almost literally fall asleep again. But somehow you have so much energy in your body that you go then into the house. Everyone else is about to wake up, but not yet. And if they do wake up, it's a sound to you making your coffee after your session. And mm. uh, somehow you look at that person and they say, good morning. And you, you look back to them. And you don't have to say good morning. You're just like, everything is good, isn't it? <laughs> and you, by, by default, you then fall asleep early uh, that night. And uh, there you go again. The next morning, you're, you're ready to go. Yeah, I think there's definitely... Uh something to be said for, for for getting up early you know it's it's something about getting up early even if you just walk the dog or you know six o'clock walk the dog sort of see the sun rise up it's there's something about that sort of setting the day off you know well every day uh you know getting things done eating right in the morning you know i think you know a lot of the time if you if you like i know for me if you on the odd occasion you lie in you just feel shit all day. You just start the day off badly and you sort of like, I've said it in previous podcasts, it's just like getting up early is just like a little win. And like yeah. if you do yoga, if you do yoga straight away after that, that's another little win. You have a nice coffee, that's another win. And, you know, just, I've said it before, you just rack up all these little wins through the day, you know, and if you can sort of build on that every day and bring discipline in, I'm, I'm a real big one for, I don't believe in motivation at all. I, I don't like the word motivation, but I like the word discipline. Yeah. So I, I'm a bit of that mindset where I'm like, I'm going to get up and do that, whether I'm motivated or not. Yeah, I hear you and I agree with you. Uh, and uh, actions speak louder than words. And, and the word of doing something in yoga, which is, is action, and in Norwegian, handling, uh, mm. action that word action literally means karma mm. so the word karma is action so if you're going to get a result or an action back which we call good karma you're going to get that back if you put it out there all all that word or that sentence is telling you is that you have to perform an action in order to have a reaction or a response and um so i i agree with you that uh that whole motivation thing is one thing but just doing it and 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 seeing what happens and going in the right direction that's another so uh, perform an action and then the result will come yeah uh, well one thing I, I, i've wrote down in my notes is that i really enjoyed reading was your uh, your social media post o over the summer you took your son uh for a trip to poland and and into sort of eastern europe and i, I really enjoyed reading your sort of blog, if, if you like, you know, about it. And, and it, 
sort of made me it's you don't sort of see it so much these days that that you're sort of I could see you were passing on your sort of passion for travel to your son and, and showing him countries that are not maybe you know not popular summer destinations as in Spain or you know Disney World and and I thought that I've wrote it in my notes something to talk about as I thought it was fantastic that you you sort of opened him up. How did he sort of did? How did he sort of re, receive it? Did he did he enjoy it? Was he was he buying into it? I think I wrote somewhere in one of those posts or blogs that that we shall never underestimate our children's capacity to take something in that we deem or have coined as being not child friendly um mm. and in this particular trip that you're referring to it was a trip to the world championships because he's a track and field athlete and it was to see the two norwegian stars on that one night uh go for the gold so they got a gold a silver and a bronze within a two hour period and my son has never been in the stadium at all uh not even in the local small stadium here and then suddenly he was in this brand new stadium watching the world championships final in budapest and prior to that we met up with some immaculately beautiful friends that used to live in norway and you know it was a two-hour ride to get to them so we didn't just go for the creature comforts of a nice hotel on tripadvisor in budapest we head off to the balaton sea and we're in this beautiful lake and went for little uh runs and had wonderful lecho food and learn how to cook together and cut the vegetables together and yeah i i like to immerse my children into things that are not necessarily too advanced because it has to be fun and this is something that i really appreciate about norwegian sports is and it's something i was actually very much against because i thought this is bollocks don't you want your kid to win because everyone kept saying the sentence in norwegian well, as long as they're having fun, so lang in my heart again. And then I thought, I thought, what are you doing? I mean, because the American mentality is, you know, your kids got to excel if they're going to really be professional one day. They have to know that they can't just rest on their laurels. But every kid needs to rest on their laurels and they need to fall on the ground and they need to hop up again. And they need to enjoy what they're doing in order for it to even be fathomable later in life. And the Norwegians really figured out uh, what fun is because there is almost, if you add up different sports and we're going to make a mathematical equation out of it, Norwegians are, are, are scoring highest by far per capita on a world scene when it comes to all winter and summer sports. And uh, if I'm if I listed that up right now, everyone would just be holy moly. It is true. Um, the world's second best golfer, uh, the world's third best tennis player, the best volleyball duo team the last several years, winning gold medals in the sand volleyball, the best triathletes, two of them, number one and three in the world, the best miler almost in history, the best five thousand guy almost in history. Another miler who's just impeccable uh, from the same region. And then you have the best 400 meter uh, hurdle runner in history, the best skiers in history, the best chess player in history. And uh, my list is definitely for the best soccer player, not in history, but at, in the world right now. Uh, and it's just like, what? There's 5 million people here? Well, 
what is the clue? The clue is that in children's sports, they make the focus on fun and mm -hmm. they don't put the focus on having to win or knock someone out because you're just setting up someone for 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 small little doses of disappointment and that mm -hmm. that will never instigate uh, someone's sheer will and desire to to really excel at anything mm. yeah that's a really interesting point i've never really thought i mean i've done some coaching courses in in the rugby team that we have and and i am actually i'm probably more americanized than the, the norwegian model uh, i'll open openly admit that i'm you know, learning to sort of understand it better. And, and my, one of my daughters is a, a high-level swimmer, and and she is she loves it. She and I'm I'm pretty sure if she didn't enjoy it, she wouldn't work as hard as she does. So it's finding that balance, and and I think a lot of it's down to how you sort of communicate and approach training diet health you know if you if you sort of if you do it together you know if you're talking together okay let's learn about this together like you did with your son you were you were cooking teaching him about vegetables he's buying into it you're doing it together you're enjoying it you know and, and the under if you approach it in that way uh if you approach it in a way where you're going no you've got to eat this you've got to do that and you're sort of dictatorial then, then what happens with children? They just rebel against that, you know. But right. I think it's 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 really great what I saw and what you wrote about how you involved your son into the process of it, so he 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 buys into it, or you know, and he's enjoying it. It's a great uh, way to do it, right, Stephen? And one thing we did on that trip is I did research something that was a bit cultural. So I had an intention to make something happen in the midst of all of the buying a T-shirt from the World Championships. So. We were working on a level that we both enjoy with the running and this and that and the other. And and then I, I had to find something and I found something in Budapest, just to take it as an example, where they call it the shoes on the Danube bank. The Danube is the river that runs through Budapest. And there were uh, molded within bronze some shoes, empty shoes along that river bank. And uh, there had been a time where people uh, were pushed off that river and shot, uh, but they took their shoes off so that they could be sold. And a child at that age in his Air Jordans as he bent down, as we're walking through Budapest, um, it, you just saw in his face that there was a true understanding that it was them versus me, because there's something about the human call where we always, we, we our first reference is ourself. And what if this was me? You know, and and the, the whole shoe comparison was uh, was really woke something up in him. And I I saw mm. the five days afterwards that that had made an impact on him. Mm. And then, you know, but everything in due time, you know, like you, you give him a dose of this. We, we were just a, a kilometer away from a concentration camp. And and I thought I, I thought I'm not going to go there. Uh, it could have been the ultimate great thing and but i'm not doing this for me i'm not doing it for facebook post i gave him the doses that he, i feel as a father he needed at this conjunction of time and if you give them what they can chew on then they chew on it if you overload it then suddenly it becomes your agenda and not their experience so uh i'm i'm 
uh, I'm truly blessed because there's not many things I've really figured out in life. But one thing I really truly understood is is how to parent. And uh, uh, if I had another life to to live as an adult, I would definitely perhaps even start start a whole entity based or write even more literature based on on, on parenting because a lot of people are stuck. Uh, yeah. on, wondering how to do it or in which way to, to initiate uh, a communication or an activity. And I would love to help people with that. Yeah, I mean, that's really interesting. I mean, my, my first child, I was I was 25 and I didn't have a clue. Not a clue. You know, total winged it. Uh, my missus was great and I was just sort of sailing behind her sail, you know, and she was sort of leading the way and I went, I just went along with it. She's like a natural mum, and I was sort of growing, trying to be a natural dad. And uh, yeah, I, I wasn't went on a journey with that. Now I think, uh, now I think I'm I'm okay. The kids, they don't hate me, so that's that's a success, I guess. But like you say, parenting is not not easy nowadays. You know, it's there's a lot of there's a lot of distractions. There's a lot of social media type internet um you know it's a messy world there's a lot of contradictions it's it's a difficult time now you know information cannot be controlled how you want it they can find things out and uh, as a, a lot of people are struggling i think with that they are because you know there's so much going on and so much information being filtered that uh that you the parents spend more time uh policing your child than actually being the parent and um, policing is not an attribute of being a parent. Caring for your child is. And if you were to replace the word policing by uh, creating a, a field level of understanding and sitting down and almost getting in the world and almost smiling at what they're looking at, although you yourself think it's almost borderline horrendous or, or not fine, somehow they got there. So once they've arrived there and and they have been exposed to it. The thing isn't to, to, to yank them out of it disciplinarily. It's to first maybe understand and then support, um, smile, and then remind or it replace that time frame that they're doing so by offering them a good option. And it's not that they're just going to watch a movie and that you're going to buy them a, uh, some, some, some candy at the store, but that you're actually going to spend some time with them because... One thing I've always thought that children really don't want to do is to be with their parents, but you'll be shocked that it's kind of one of the, the greatest needs and the greatest payoffs is to truly make time and sit or walk or separate yourself from the environment in which they're used to, to go out. And it could be kicking a ball, spinning that rugby ball, or it has nothing to do with sport. You're just like, Hey, it's you know you don't want to go for a walk and you know study all the the, the plants. You could, uh, but I would I would rather save that to when the berries come. Uh, mm. But there's there's a zillion and one uh, activities mm. to do uh, yeah, with your child. But again, just like yoga or what we were mentioning before about immersing yourself in a language or a country or a code, you have to you have to dive into it to know that it is viable. Otherwise, if you tiptoe into it and you just keep pulling yourself out of it, 
then you're pacifying the child and giving them an understanding that you're not really that interested. So it's something like anything else you have to follow through on so that you can uh, deduct and actually make an assessment afterwards and say, well, what is it that is working uh, with my child? Because there again, you know, nine out of 10 things are not going to uh, taste good. But if you do it the 10th time, just like you eat the broccoli the 10th time, suddenly they've, they've been, been acquired to it and they don't want to live without it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, Alice, I want to get onto your recent book that you uh, that you published. It's it's out on Amazon. I will put a link in the show notes so people can uh, can buy it, and take a look at more into it. Can you can you give us the sort of the story of it, how it came about? Has it been a sort of lifelong ambition? You know, start from the beginning and yeah. Yeah, well, thank you. No, the book this particular book i've written a few but this one's called le default which means the default by default and it has a cover of someone standing in a line holding a mask which i thought was very covid friendly at the time to create people standing in line with masks on but these are total face masks and the person that is sort of looking back they're defying the default and the default default is a building where there's a door and everyone's heading in the same direction. And you know the story. It's uh, it's there's conforming is a necessity, but sometimes we conform so much that, you know, when you take yourself and pan out and look down, we become more of an amoeba uh, blended in everyone else's thoughts and and ventures than than we take the time to identify with. Who we are and this particular person takes off the mask looks backward jumps out of line and says okay i don't want to head down that uh so-called righteous path of yours i want to go and make mistakes i want to smell different things i want to uh i want to be challenged so that's hence the title uh by by default um it sounds much more fancy in the french language and that's why i chose to put it in french um the this is this one is what i would call some of my best poetry there's i don't know 200 odd poems in there of like i mentioned earlier of 6000 that i've written but but many of them were written in the course of the last few years and um i uh i i would say that writing is maybe my biggest forte and delivering what I write as uh, as in closing, maybe uh, we'll take the time and I'll, I'll read one poem for you. But I um, the the book and the poetry is nothing but a collection of thoughts, angles uh, in in how I observe different dynamics, both within myself and and uh, in life in general and um i i decided if i'm going to do this as as most things that i do in the few times that i do something on a grand scale i do it to a t so i found a, a wonderful french illustration uh someone who can illustrate each poem that i chose here visually so there was almost virtually a painting made for each poem and then i i had to run through this person is from Mexico, but lives in Paris and is an accomplished artist. And uh, 
and she's a woman and she's younger and she's the antithesis in me of me and in very ways i'm also an artist at the end of the day not only a, a, an athlete or an academic so so she really hit home and we found a way of working that uh she just she knocked it out of the park time and time again and uh i'm really proud of the book being just as much of a visual piece of work as a poetic and prose piece of uh, uh, piece of work. So, and the nice thing about a book like this is when people read it or my children do when I'm not here any longer, they'll refer not only back to who I was when I spent time with them doing different things, but also to maybe even further understand uh, that which they didn't know or had the capacity to at that young age. And that is, is like, how did, how did dad think? What was he looking at then and in which way? And um, so it's not so, it's not really intended that the whole world is meant to go and buy this uh, or read it or read into it, but more so to leave, leave my little mark on my little uh, level of importance, which is uh, naturally my, my offspring, so that they, they, will, they will be able to yeah, pass it along. Since since you can't take anything with you, you can no, you can no. you, you can take a level of integrity and and um, and everyone has their own way perhaps of uh, hopefully shedding a certain light on something above and beyond their own small little existence as they as they pass. Mm, that's fantastic. Would I be sort of right in, in saying then from from the sort of cover and people can check it out. Uh, as you've described it, he, he, would I be right in sort of uh, saying that you your sort of philosophy is that you you don't conform to to the sort of uh, don't be a conformist, you know, find your own path in life, find th your own things that you're passionate about, no matter what, and and head down those roads and seek out new adventures and don't sort of. And I, I'm kind of thinking of I don't want to sort of say capitalist sort of agenda but sort of like the nine to five that you've got to produce and city sort of city working and, and that kind of thing you know what uh this might surprise you but no actually the, ap the absolute opposite um, okay you know i often when i try to find an answer to something i try not to look into a book even a book that i write or even a piece of art or anything i'm not I don't need to ask someone. I just, if you look at nature, if you look at the shape of your hand and how it weaves, you'll see the same lines in a, in a leaf in the fall that falls on the ground. And you'll be surprised how similar you are, uh, your veins and how things work and flood and filter through you, uh, like, you know, a stream to a river, a river to the ocean. And, you know, uh, the balances that you see in nature, we see it in our own composition, of course, because we are, an element of nature. So if you take it even above and out of our planet and you study the 365 degree, here comes the keyword cycle uh, to anything, there is a lot of understanding and a lot of safety in having an agenda that is conform conformatory in the sense that there is a set cycle in the universe. And my God, what an amazing constellation as everything on its given access and the space in between that we call empty space, but it's also has a mass, the space between planets that catapults us ever so 
bloody perfectly. I think if there was a 10 kilometer deviation to any of those planets, we would be here, here on this planet. Mm -hmm. So, so, so life, <laughs> life as such is just such a, a beautiful, amazing constellation of conformity, of rhythm, of, so what I learned from space is that you have to adhere to to where you are in conjunction to others. And that could be at the job place. That could be uh, in, in the code uh, when you are in this environment of being in Norway. But I think the creativity and the, the jumping out of line is the part where you take a deep breath and realize that you have to, and that you have to look at things differently, that you don't, that you don't conform to the degree where you can't breathe or, or self-determine uh, a God-given thought any longer. And that's where the poetry and other activities with running and, and parenting remind me that, that it is, it's not only essential, but it's, uh, it's preventative when it comes to getting sick or anything. And it's, it's definitely a lot of vitality in mixing things up whilst conforming. Okay. That's, well, that You've taught me something there because, uh, yeah, I can totally see where, where you're coming from with that. And I, I've always, I sort of always approach things. Uh, I would probably say I'm quite a non-conformist bloke. If people are telling me to do something, I'll generally do the opposite. I've always been a bit, a bit like that. And I sort of like to, you know, if people say you can't go up that mountain on your own, then I'll go up on my own to do it. You know, I'm just always been a bit out of the box like that and uh, but yeah you know what the be the beauty of it is is each to their own i think that's a good kind of messaging that you know in general is not to be too worried about what people think you know just go out do your own thing find out if it works if it doesn't work pick yourself up find something else you know just keep keep hammering away at things and, and you know bef bef before you know it you'll you'll find happiness and success in something, you know, and it's, it's important that you don't sort of get bogged down in, in a, in a shit job. If it, if it, if you're not enjoying it, like we go back to the kids, you know, if you're not enjoying it, you know, find something that you do and go exactly. back study or, you know, so. Good on you. That was a nice way of uh, putting it all together. Uh, that's a, a nice metaphor with enjoying it. If you don't, then literally it's it's playing down at a micro level where your chemistry gets all messed up your vagus nerve puts you into fight and flight because something is not quite right and uh then you need to move on and you don't have to you don't have to change things overnight but you need to make a decision that this is not good for me and i'm going to do whatever i can to to move towards something in a transition a slow transition that that that, that makes more sense so mm. Uh, one thing I'm always interested uh, to ask writers, and something that really fascinates me: Are you are you a, a sporadic writer, or do you have a set time? Will you sit down for an hour a day, or do you sort of write on the fly, carry a journal, write as it comes to you, or are you systematic in your approach with it? I think I have. I think the answer to that is I'm both. I'm very sporadic. But only when a good idea comes up, as I say, I write it down immediately. But um, I've noticed that I cannot write when I feel or sense that I'm using so much energy in other categories. 
And the funny thing is, is that seems like the pinnacle time to write because the energy I'm usually that usually like swallows me up are things that are emotionally happening that aren't very comfortable. And then then I then I just die out with the writing. But on the edge of getting some energy back, I still can recall and reminisce about that pain because I always write from a place, not always, but often I write from some sort of pain that needs to be flushed out or observed or looked at. And then, you know, and if I ever write about something with nature, it's because something had inspired me to have less pain. So either way, it equates to pain, even if it seems like a very positive poem, it was more uh, healing in its its process than it was intended to be a positive poem. Um, so uh, I am a very, I'm not a melancholic person, but I'm a very melancholic writer. And I don't like to write, but then again, I do write children's stories and some of them are just such a kick in the pants that uh, you would never think that I wrote a dismal poem in all my life when you when you read that collection of stories, because uh, it's just good, innocent fun that that rhymes and 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 makes you giggle. So, yeah, a little bit of both, a little bit of being sporadic, and at the same time, uh, I'm one when I have the energy, I I might write. Uh, there was a time in my life I wrote a poem every day in, with a succession of like four years going like some people have to send a certain snap every day or take pictures of every meal they do i had to write a poem every single day and i did for many years wow alice we're at that moment that i've been looking forward to which i'm going to let you take it away with a poem for, for the listeners okay i think i'll i think i'll I'll do two poems. I'll do one on the yeah. fly and one I'll read to you just to show the antithesis of a good poem. And uh, I mean, an uplifting poem uh, that, that, that bears a certain romance. And then one that also defies that by, by, by illustrating a bit of a disappointment and social criticism to the world and myself and others as such. So I'll start off with the, uh, uh, I'll start off with the, um, the, the good and then uh, and then just for the sake of leaving people with the question mark I'll, I'll end up with the, the so-called critical um, brilliant this poem here is called me you and Mars um, I'd say it's one of my best poems because I feel that the poems that I consider to be good are the ones that carry a certain meter each poem and I'm giving you a heads up now each poem that I have has its own dialect I almost, you know, the, the poem I'm going to read to you afterwards, it has almost like a Texan accent. And this poem here is more whimsical and very voice steered to put you in a certain mode that sort of uh, is exemplary of, of the, the, the subject matter in the poem, which is Mars and finding your great love. And when you do, you don't keep them on this hideous, you know, a planet where there are fires in Greece and floods in Libya and everything is just the, the scales are tipping. You got to get out of this planet. And where would we go? The next habitable possibility must be Mars. So the name of this poem is Me, You and Mars. And I will begin now. Great. I want to go to the stars. 
so I can be with you. We could land on Mars, live a life that's true. Can you imagine the peace of mind to leave back the grid, avoid the grime? Who needs lights when I have your eyes? Who needs games with those butterflies? Doing a dance in my soul, you, me, and Mars, a place to grow old. We could build mountains. We could steer the streams. We could build diamond fountains in our dreams. We could laugh a little longer, do a crazy, lazy dance. Beyond the ever yonder, we've got to take the chance to live for the day, not count the years to get lost in the sway, not dwell in our fears, to cry a little longer, if it had to be beyond the ever under you, Mars, and me. Brilliant. So that poem is also in here, and just, just to take that poem as such and to show you that each poem has been illustrated um, accordingly. So so many poems here, I almost have to uh, find, I have to find my table of contents really quick to find out mm -hmm. where it is. I know it's early on, and there it is is no it was yes there it is page 45 one second that's kind of fun i'm actually having to use my own glossary so here's the picture of that poem wow and the couple leaves the earth and they take off the helmet and they kiss and they're going to invent and re and steer the streams and build the mountains and so on wow they're almost starting a new world from from scratch from scratch. And then uh, let me just use the glossary again to find the other poem. Um, the one that has the Texas accent. Um, and I believe, yeah, it's called When Truth Lies Down. Page 167. So when truth lies down. Um, You know what? That is a great poem, but that's, and that also, the thing that I just had like a brain fart because that one also has a Texas accent. And I love that poem, but it's not that one I was going to read. Um, it's, it actually, they're very similar, but uh, the other one um, is, is much, much more along the lines that I wanted to end this podcast off with. Um, let me say, let me see, um, just one second, my man. Have you ever written a poem in your life? I've 
not written a poem as such, but I've sort of I play the guitar, so I've sort of dabbled along lyrics and chords, and and I have over the years probably uh, written I don't know maybe a dozen or so chord sequences songs let's say i've never really fine-tuned them it's more just been jangling and occasionally i've sort of put some lyrics down and played around with things but uh, i think it's not for me it's a little bit of a confidence thing and 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 sort of uh, putting myself out there to sort of complete something and and do it fully um but in my head, I probably got a dozen. I could say a dozen songs slash lyrics that I've I've kind of written down. That would be some going out of my comfort zone again. Would be to sort of maybe take that as a project and and finish them. But maybe know, I can. I've, got... I've I've helped uh, I've helped uh, an accomplished blues guitarist from Scandinavia uh, finish two of his albums. He's he has like fifteen albums, and his name is Bjorn Berg. I don't know if you've heard the. From Hogerson, he's an amazing uh, blues guitarist, and and, right. sing, and he's big in Canada and 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 in in other countries. But uh, maybe you and I should meet up and uh, have a glass of wine and, and just hit it. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, that's something that'd be uh, be really cool. And uh, yeah, here's a picture of this poem. Okay, and you see Come that on. there's a house, and yeah. in the house is is. Uh, yeah, it's a person, and I'm not going to mention any names, but some people might know who I'm referring to. And then there's hair coming out of the mouth, which is the door, uh, and sort of pulling me back down. And all I want is my suitcase to fly away from all the <laughs> nonsense. So the name of that poem is called My Will Be Spoken. Okay. It's, like, it's like it's high time to speak, and which is a great... It's a great title for this podcast or for 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 podcasts in general because it's it's so important when you're when you're you've been so honorably invited in to express your thoughts based on who you are and what you've experienced. Mm. You can speak your own will at your own free will. So this is kind of that in a relationship as I move on. And it begins now. There's nothing wrong with moving on. A road is made for driving. Where kindness waits, what separates. A life is made for thriving. To leave is rough when it ain't enough. A rhythm is made for jiving. I want to dance, not pee my pants in all this undermining and not count the years, those wretched tears. I'm sick of all the whining. Just take it in the mighty wind and feel my inner lining and look back upon where it all went wrong and call it just bad timing or a lack of light on a nine-year night where no moon is shining. Can't live like this in it is what it is with asses just a signing. 
I will shoot for the stars, not hang in the jars, a pie in realignin'. This chair is broken, my will be spoken. I'm sick of just reclining. It's time to write, to just ignite, to redefine, defining, to walk in on truth in a lie detector booth and ask truth why she's lying and not count the tears from wretched fears. I'm sick of all the crying, but walk inside this heart of mine without even trying with wings and those that lift me up where suddenly I'm flying to live this life and do it right. To live is not just dying. I no longer agree with this life decree. I object to just complying. Fantastic. I uh, I really like that one, but I, I like the way you I like the way you t do the accent. Would you when you write it? Obviously, you're writing it in that accent. Are you? It'd be interesting to see if when people read it, how they interpret the accent or how they interpret, you know, sort of how they would read it in the head. That'd be something I'd really be interested in. I th well, that's the beauty. Everyone sort of reads it as they want to read into it. We all are a product of the lens we put on. And uh, that's, the, I think that would be hilarious to almost, you could almost make a show for writers that have people read their work or, or interpret their pictures or, and, and just to see if people are, are spot on or, or if they're way out in left field, because I, I would almost guess that no one would read it like that. They would be very sort of roses are red and violets are blue, hmm. uh, which, which I so appreciate. Uh, it's kind of, it's kind of what makes it then again my art because the meter and the tone it it i know when and how to work it and 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 bring it you know mm. so and when i read it i become it and i believe it and uh it's such a great reminder of exactly how i felt in that moment as i left mm. uh yeah and, yeah yeah it's great you can hear the passion in your voice as you read it like you you're reading it like it's in your head, exactly like you're putting it down, which I think, you know, is is you can really see how much you believe it and, uh, you know, how much it means to you, you know. You should be proud of it. It's great. Cheers, mate. I so appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, fantastic end, mate. I'm conscious of the time and I want to keep you all evening. So once again, i got to say massive thanks for coming on, telling your story. Uh, I'll put a link in the show notes to your book people can check that out um yeah and i will see you around the place as we do well definitely not on the rugby field because i'm uh, <laughs> I, I can come and take pictures and and hold the pom-poms so uh, anyways yeah, uh, yeah. i'm proud of you and i appreciate uh uh being part of already uh, a nice a nice group of people that you've so kindly invited to this uh, good podcast. Thank you for, for yeah. letting me speak my mind. Brilliant. Thanks a lot, Alice. I will catch you soon. Okay. Yes. Bye now. Bye. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. Please make sure you like and subscribe 
on your podcast provider. And until the next time, we see you then.